This episode of the Outside Podcast is brought to you by the all-new 2024 Lexus GX. You ever pick up a piece of gear that inspired you to up your game? My first full suspension mountain bike was like this. So plush and fun, it changed riding a bike from something I thought I'd never forget how to do to something I realized I wanted to do better. The all-new Lexus GX is an exceptionally capable rig that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. With available dynamic sky panorama glass roof, front row massaging seats, and multi-terrain select, the all-new GX is rugged on the outside, refined on the inside. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Or go to Lexus.com slash GX to learn more. From Outside Magazine, this is the Outside Podcast. Everyone has that one friend. They're funny, they're clever, there's a light in their eyes. Everyone enjoys being around them. They have all the talent and natural ability in the world, and they could really be making something of themselves if they weren't flushing it all away on their addiction to golf. My friend's name is Alex Ward, and he also makes podcasts. In fact, he's a regular contributor to this podcast. And here at Outside, we have exactly two rules. First rule, don't call it Outdoors Magazine. Second rule, we acknowledge the existence of golf once every two years. Most of the time, when a writer takes on golf, the story follows a similar arc. A defense of the sport, an argument for its relatedness to the outdoors, an explanation of how and why this silly game got so fun or addictive or all-consuming that it's displaced the real sports the writer used to enjoy. I've known Alex for a long time, and he too used to enjoy other things. He's a former river guide. He plays basketball, helps coach a kid's chess club, and you should see him roller skate. But nothing has gotten hold of him quite like golf. For the last few years, I've been trying to get Alex into running. It's cheap, it's healthy, the water it requires is measurable in ounces rather than acre feet. Sometimes a big group of our friends will sign up for a race and invite him to train for it. Sometimes he does it, and he does fine. But then it's back to golf. A while back, Alex said he wanted to do a story about his relationship with running. How he keeps trying to pick it up, but it never quite becomes a habit. Sounds great, I said. By the way, when was the last time Outside did a story about golf, he asked. About two years ago, I said. What do you ask? No reason, he said. Here's Alex. I don't have a good relationship with running. And I really should. I've had great role models. My dad ran marathons when I was growing up. My mom was a runner. She always had regular running meetups in our neighborhood. My brother ran cross country in high school. I've even worked for several running podcasts over the years, and yet I've always friend zoned running. Never fell in love with it, just wasn't my thing. Team sports, usually basketball, that was my speed. I like the act of running itself, I even love it, 
but mostly to play or have fun with friends and teammates. I'll run the occasional race here and there, but it's mainly for the social part of it. To be totally honest, I just plain don't like going for a run. But now I've hit an age, I'm 35, and all the stuff I used to do all the time is just harder to do. I broke my leg in 2020. The recovery from that cost me a year and a half of doing pretty much anything. I used to play basketball constantly, and now it's more like occasionally I play basketball. Backpacking trips are harder to schedule. The waves never seem to cooperate when I want to get out and go surfing. I've also got a kid on the way that's going to poke some serious holes in all of the above. A void in my overall exercise. A scary, scary void has emerged. Then one day, some friends invited me out golfing. It was about a year or so into the pandemic, and a lot of people were picking up golf. That's because you could not design a more perfect activity for COVID rules at the time. It takes place outside. You never have to get within six feet of anyone for anything. Plus, it's a social game. And it takes a lot of time, which people suddenly had a lot more of. Standing on the first tee box that day overlooking this beautiful golf course, a hibernating golf bear stirred, woke up inside me. I played the game when I was a kid. My grandparents on both sides loved golf and it trickled down to me. I really liked it, but then I moved on to other sports and I hadn't really swung a club in nearly 20 years. But after that first round back, I knew I would not friend zone golf. I was smitten. You might have heard a speech from someone before about why they love golf. Golfers love talking about this. It was probably a drunk cousin or an uncle at a wedding or something, but I'll spare you the long version and give you just two reasons why I love golf. Number one, at its core, it's about finding balance between yourself and the land around you, trying to find order in chaos. It's why I also like surfing. Every wave, every golf hole are completely unique. You have to be really present and in tune with what's going on around you to do well in either one. In my case, for both, it's a lot of failure, but when it goes right, there's just nothing like it. It's an incredibly fun game in a really beautiful setting. Hard to beat. The other reason I love golf, which I say with complete sincerity, it's about the friends you make along the way. Like my buddy, Matt. My name is Matt Lynch. I'm a golf addict and... Hi, Matt. <laughs> Hi, my name is Matt and I'm a golf addict. I got randomly paired up with Matt once at a local tournament and we hit it off right away. And much to our wives' dismay, Matt and I have been golf mistresses ever since. Is that the right way to describe our, our relationship, would you say? <laughs> yeah, I would think so. Because like, like we only do one thing. When we leave our partners to hang out, I have you in my phone as just a just an initial, <laughs> just an A. One thing we have in common is the ability to convince ourselves that golf is exercise, and maybe even all the exercise we need. Like I'm not a natural exerciser. I was in much better shape when I was in high school, and then work, 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 like anybody else hard to find exercise golf feels like exercise you look down at your phone and you're like holy shit i just walked five seven miles burned 2500 calories something like that like that sounds pretty good i had a great time oh man i've never burned that many calories golfing it's yeah, crazy 
you should play like me. It gets the heart. <laughs> it gets the heart rate up. Walking five to seven miles several days a week would be a fantastic amount of exercise, but that much golf just isn't realistic. It's expensive and it takes too long. So the question was, how do we make the golf that we are able to play real exercise? One day, Matt stumbled upon a YouTube video by a group called No Laying Up about a golfer doing something called a hundred hole hike. Approaching hole number 99. We got two left, I'm hurting. Sunburned, but I'm battling my schwanz off right now. 100 holes of golf in a single day, all walking, no carts, start to finish. To put that in perspective, 100 holes would be about five and a half full rounds of golf. On a regulation 18-hole course, you're looking at 30 to 35 miles of walking, which would be a good day for a seasoned thru-hiker on the Pacific Crest Trail. When you heard the 100-hole hike, was was any part of that like, okay, you know what? Actually, the physically hard part of this is good for me. I, I, I want to do more of this. Yeah, for sure. I think it was like this hike was com- coming up at the you know, just after my 39th birthday. And I've kind of said that I need to, like when I go into my forties, I want to be in the best shape of my life. I don't know if we're going to do that, but I know that we need to like start (laughs) the descent angle, uh, at least start neutralizing that. And so I think for sure that was like part of my motivation was that my 39th birthday would kind of start me on a better path towards my goals, ultimate goals. So Matt signed up for the hike, which is organized by a nonprofit called Youth on Course. Their goal is to provide subsidized golf access for kids and teenagers that might not otherwise get the opportunity. Based on the fundraising tier that Matt was in, the closest hike would be in San Jose, California at a regulation course. But since Matt ended up being the only person who'd committed to that hike and raised money for it, Youth on Course sent him to the next one on the schedule at Trinity Forest Golf Club in Dallas. I decided to tag along and document the day, and off we flew to Texas. There was a group dinner the night before the hike, where the dozen participants met each other and got briefed by the organizers. It was there that we learned we'd be playing on the par three nine-hole course, which meant a much shorter course with average hole lengths of 80 to 140 yards. 100 holes of par 3 golf would be in the 15 to 18 mile range. It would not quite be the full course physical challenge we'd anticipated. This was the first curveball we were thrown. The other one was the weather. It was like the weather gods heard about, they were like, which days are they coming? All right, let's 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 circle those three days. Yeah, it was beautiful the week before, beautiful the week after. And, and right after. Right. But those three days, let's switch it up. And it was just biblical rain. The weekend leading into the hike, there was flooding all over Dallas. Homes were being evacuated, cars were being washed away, and the Trinity River broke over the levees. The rain was so bad in Fort Worth that it caused the Trinity to top a levee right near downtown. I've never seen it go over that levee as many years as I was over there. Yeah, that's incredible. The temperature then dropped into the 30s. It was all totally unprecedented in Dallas. I think we were on it. Like we had the right mindset, like we're going to do this anyway. And it was not an easy day by any means still. Mm -hmm. But I think that we were prepared to go hole by hole 
and get the job done. Thankfully, the rain cleared up for the day of the hike, but it was still 34 degrees out with 20 to 30 mile an hour winds when we pulled up to the course. A little colder here. <clears throat> you know, we teed off at, I want to say like 8.30 or 8.45 or something like that. That's right. <laughs> Woo! There's a hole there. Sit! We're in play. We are off to an electrifying start. <laughs> wow, that... Folks. This is whipping out here. Teed off, kind of just people sort of scattered into the wind. We were off. Uh, five iron from 135 yards. <laughs> <laughs> and just uh, blew it off the planet. So we're going to take a drop. Yeah, it took us both a little time to find the swing on that day. It's just, just took a while to get the engine kind of, kind of warmed up and going. Yeah, and again, you're not really knowing what you're playing for. This is my first time there. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be keeping score, if I'm supposed to be keeping time or anything like that. In my head before this, it was like, all right, we're going to have a thing. It's counting. We're going to like be counting our holes. We're going to have a thing. We're going to be keeping very detailed score of this whole thing, how much we're over under. We're going to know exactly how many holes we've done. We're going to know the course exactly. And just like none of that was true. Yeah. Once we realized that that was not the case, it was quickly, okay, like we're going to not be putting these things out. So we're not lining things up. We're not, we're moving as fast as possible the purest golf approach we'd hoped for just wasn't possible. Because of how the course was set up, the other groups were playing three to four holes at one time, hitting to multiple greens from one spot, then rotating around to quickly finish up their putts. Which meant that after just a few nine-hole loops, Matt and I were falling way behind. End of loop four, quick check-in. How you feeling? 36 holes in, we're good. Uh, that would just be a really long day of golf, but we did it in... Uh, it's been three hours. All right, we started at 10, so right. it's about one. Uh, I say that we we got to go faster. I think we got we to gotta find some of what these guys are doing, but I'm not willing to just play three holes in a row. Yeah. I'm not willing to hit two balls yeah. to the same thing and then put them twice and call that two, you know. There's a, a cultural divide has emerged here four rounds in, I think, on truly, the course. Truly. It didn't take us long to realize we were going to have to play that way to finish roughly when everyone else did. We were hitting golf shots, but I think that the purest level, like you're saying, of playing 100 holes of golf, legit, we had to kind of bury our dreams a little bit. At a certain point, we accepted that. Um, I'll tell you what, though, just from the golf side, once we were out there and doing it, I mean, I was having a ball. Like, we got to hit so many wedge shots. I could roll tape of just of just all the shots we took. So many. And then on the kind of kick your ass physical side we were looking for, I mean, where, where were you at like two thirds of the way through? Were you starting to, did you ever start to feel like, man, my body's, I'm pushing myself to the limit here? No. I mean, for I would say for sure I was done. Like I was definitely tired. I was cold. I was spent. We, we walked a lot. I mean, it wasn't, but I've definitely felt more tired walking after 36 holes than I felt, you know, walking off that. I think for sure, like I said, the the elements that day were tough. It was cold. It was 
dry, but you're just getting blasted with like 50 mile an hour winds in the face. It was it was tough, but am I going to call that endurance golf? No. All in all, the hike took about seven hours, which is about three hours longer than a normal round of 18 holes. And while it was really fun to be out there making it up as we went along, fighting the weather, it just wasn't quite the challenge we'd hoped for. Like I wanted to pick myself off the 18th green for the fifth time of the day, you know, and and say, hey, man, you better get your ass in gear. Like if you want to do this into your 70s, like you better be able to to do this now. It was a bit of a bust, but there was one shining bright spot in the day, at least for me. You said the night before uh, you said, quote, I asked you. What if you get a hole in one tomorrow and you said, I can't even really think about that. Uh, Obviously, I'd love it. Then you said, if you get one, I'm just done. I'm out. You said that. You said that to me. Uh, I'm happy you've given me this platform to formally um, resign my, my hopes and dreams. On the 87th hole out of 100, I hit a little 110 yarder. A blind shot over a hill. Felt perfect coming off the club. That's looking good. Might need to go. It's it. No. Don't, don't fuck with me. You fucking darn it, dude. Are you fucking serious? What? <laughs> On the blind <laughs> shot? <laughs> what? For real? Oh my fucking god. <laughs> It was my first hole-in-one ever, which is a big deal for a golfer. Hell yeah. Although in my book, it doesn't really count as a true hole-in-one. It wasn't even on an official hole. I wasn't playing a real round of golf. It wasn't on a regulation course. Still, it was one hell of a door prize. And in a way, it kind of represented the entire 100-hole hike endeavor for Matt and I. It was really fun in the moment. It was very unexpected, but it wasn't quite the real thing. It wasn't what we were chasing. After the break, I find something to chase that I'm going to be chasing for a long time. Brought to you by Lexus. There are things you can own that do much more than their stated functions. Things like a professional-grade kitchen range or an aerodynamic carbon fiber bike. The truth is, exceptional things inspire you to do exceptional things. They push you to reach higher, to go farther. To this select list, we add the all-new Lexus GX. You don't buy it just for the life you have, but also for the life you want to have. Its exceptional capability will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed, making plans that were once outside your scope. But as much as the GX challenges you, it also spoils you. Its intuitive technology and luxurious features mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to it. The all-new Lexus GX. So there we were, still yearning for a version of this game that would kick our ass. And then sitting around after the Dallas trip, scrolling through my golf-infested Instagram feed, I saw something that stopped me dead in my swiping. Something wild, untamed, and totally unique. An account called Speed Golf Rob. 
Here I have in my hands a rather large rock. If you say to me... To give you the picture, Rob is standing out in a vast, rocky field in West Ireland. Nobody else around. He's just throwing stuff and screaming good golf advice into the wind. going to go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. With his massive red beard and wild hair, he looks like a guru that emerged from an Irish bog one day and picked up a club, ready to preach golf wisdom to nobody and everybody, but mostly to undisciplined amateurs looking for golf advice, who he gives the shorthand nickname Marooch. I need you to move, Marucci. I need you to move, Marooch. Buddy Marucci. In real life, Rob is a relaxed and friendly guy. He's also one of the world's best at speed golf, a form of golf where you combine your score with the time it takes you to complete the round. Players only take a few clubs with them, and they run from shot to shot, playing a full round of 18-hole golf. If you shot a 75 in 45 minutes, your score would be those two numbers added up, 120. In the last two years alone, Rob's won the U.S., U.K., and Ireland speed golf opens. Matt and I called him up at his home in Galway. My name is Robert Hogan. I'm a maniacal speed golfer. I prioritize speed. And um, I'm in a rare group of people for whom playing as fast as possible has been an obsession for years. You know, who who's to say that speed golf for anything other than the many maniacal obsessives like myself cannot be you know, a round of golf and the best golf score in under 90 minutes wins. So, you know, late in the evening in the summer times in Ireland, oftentimes I tee off at 10 p.m. and play 18 holes of golf. How did it find you or when did you first start speed golf? Well, as I say, I, I would have read about it and it, I remember it resonated with me straight away. It was the most craziest thing. I really just re- felt like it was something I wanted to try. Uh, in 2008 and 2009, I was the idiot in Ireland playing speed golf on his own. And I, I did a couple of charity exhibitions. I was a professional golfer at the time, struggling in local tournaments. And I played the first three holes not so well. It was a shock to the system. And then the last 15 holes of that round, which I played in 50, um, 53 minutes or something like that, I I went on to play by far the best golf of my life. It wasn't even close, which was so, certainly very interesting and shocking. I had a similar feeling when I watched a video of Rob playing in a speed golf tournament. Deep down, I felt a pull that I needed to try it. This was real exercise, sure, but it also looked like the golf took place in a kind of flow state, and I wanted that. The mental side of golf can be torturous. Overthinking shots, standing over your ball with thoughts racing through your brain, trying to remember all the swing mechanics in the right order. It can all ruin a day on the course. What if you just didn't do any of that? What if you just ran up to the ball and hit it? Things became simpler and about movement and just rhythm. And it was totally different. And it was so profound and obvious. It it was no way it was a coincidence. Since his first round, Rob has become an elite speed golfer. His personal best is a 109 when he shot a 75 in 34 minutes. And he does this carrying only three clubs in a holster on his waist, a driver, a seven iron, and a wedge. 
I need you to understand just how crazy that score is. 75 is insanely good for any amateur golfer using a full set of clubs. For instance, the average of just my best score is around an 82 when I'm walking. The difference between that and a 75 is massive, much less doing it in 34 minutes with three clubs. A standard length golf course is about six to seven miles, depending on the distance between the holes. So to run it that fast as Rob did while playing a full round of very good golf seems completely unreal. So to see just how real it is, I decided I'd have to try a round of speed golf myself. And to do that, I needed Rob to help me set a goal. So, okay, I need, I need to ask you this because I, as I prepare to try this myself, which will be documented on this episode, but, um, so for me, I'm about a 10 handicap. I can run about a nine to a nine and a half minute mile pace. Uh, so yeah, what, what, what goal should I shoot for? First time out, I can see the score being in, in and around the same. Really? Yeah. So you think I could shoot mid eighties in an hour? I do, yeah. I think especially the the long game, you can be very surprised with how well you hit the ball. I am not as optimistic uh, as you, Rob. That sounds difficult. Uh, yeah, keep keep moving through the round. You know, you know, I'll just keep it moving. When you're when you're moving from running into your shot into running, keep that whole process moving. You know, you you know, just try and make it one movement for an hour. Yeah. Try and it's not really stopping and starting at all. It's one move the whole way through. Um, and if you can, if you can be efficient with your shots, that's really the key. If you can save five seconds per shot, that's not five seconds. That's five seconds times eighty-four. Yeah, that's that's the key. You gotta if you gotta be efficient. Put your bag down in a proper position. One look and then trust it and go. But if I've never done this before, Rob, I mean, what are my what are my chances? Do you think of succeeding if I could hit a one forty six or less? Well, so when I used to go out the door to a golf tournament, my dad used to say, "If you don't win, don't bother coming home." (laughs) So if you don't go under one hundred and fifty, don't bother coming home. Okay, one (laughs) fifty. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I'll take it. So there it was. I had a goal to beat one hundred and fifty, which would be shooting a ninety in sixty minutes or 91 and 59 or 89 and 61. You get the idea. Although it felt like a real stretch. I thought I might have a puncher's chance at actually hitting this. The golf part was doable. I was more worried about the running, keeping my heart rate down enough to hit a clean golf shot because I didn't know what it would be like. I asked Matt if he wanted to join as well, but golf at a really fast pace just doesn't grab him like it did me. I don't want to do it fast. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to run out of breath doing it. Uh, I'm not a runner. I have six four, and my knees are probably could are like one drainage pipe away from <laughs> just going away. <laughs> so we're we're not out there trying to like that's a that's like a normal cautionary thought that I have just walking. So running like nah, we're not doing that. But <laughs> all right, I'll. I'll pick up the running slack. Matt did say he'd come along and follow me in a cart so he could keep score and record me in the process. We picked a course we liked, thought I would do well on. 
We grabbed the first tea time of the day at 7.50 a.m. so no one would be ahead of us, and we set off on a cold January morning. Good morning. <laughs> morning. Oh my God. Just like Dallas, it was very cold and had been raining very hard the previous three days. Unlike Dallas, though, the ground remained wet and soggy. My footsteps were splashy as I walked to the first tee to start. It's soggy. I had an ultralight golf bag with four clubs, a driver, a hybrid iron, an eight iron, and a sand wedge. The old guys teeing off behind me gave me some weird looks. Why would you want to play fast in running shorts when it's 38 degrees out? Guys, I don't know, but it's time to go. Yeah! Hell yeah! Great start. We're off to a good start. My adrenaline was pumping pretty hard. I swung out of my shoes and taught my first shot about 20 yards. I did the same with my second shot too. But my third shot, I found the rhythm and stuck a wedge shot to about eight feet, then hit that putt to save a bogey. With my nerves settled, I was off. I'll let Matt's reactions from the cart tell the story of the round. Yeah, it's going to be just fine. Sit down. Standing water relief. That hurts a little. Yep, that's one way to do it. Are you fucking kidding me right now? Good three. Let's go. Easy par. Oh, off the back. Sting piece. Sting piece. Sit down. Brutal. Brutal. That sounded good. Dude, that's a still a good six. Crisp, crisp. Peter Piper. That'll work. You're at 21 minutes. It's great pace, great pace. Drops it right into the middle. Dead center middle. Absolutely peppered. Yeah. Four left. Wow. Ho, ho, ho. Woo-hoo. Oh, no. This is a big fucking hill right here. Oh, my God. That looks good. Go. That's still good. Straight up four. Straight four on the first of the gauntlet. Let's go. Really regretting that, not bringing that putter? In the end, I hit my last putt on the 18th hole at the 68-minute mark while shooting a 93 for a total speed golf score of 161, 11 over my goal of 150. Oh, my goodness, dude. You know, I think uh, I thought it would be the running that got me, but... It was, it was golf. the world mistress golf, <laughs> turns out. Strikes again. Yeah. Weirdly enough, for someone as competitive as me, I didn't feel disappointed afterwards. Maybe it was just that I'd never done this before. So just completing it, learning from my mistakes, and setting the bar was enough. To be honest, you didn't, you didn't hit that many bad golf shots, especially considering most of them were due to the conditions. There's there was nothing that I would have suggested of somebody that was running up to a ball and trying to hit it that would have been like shake it out of bounds didn't happen. Like there was a <laughs> true, lot of true. stuff where I'm like wow this could have been way worse. Um, it's a good way to look at it. And when you run yeah. like I do, then you might understand why I feel like it's almost physically impossible to do it in an hour anyway, even if you're not hitting golf shots. But I think you, I think you came and did it. I mean, like we didn't I hit did the goal. I, we didn't get the goal. No, you were you weren't like way outside of it. It's not like you said, "Hey, I'm going to shoot a 
86 and do it in an hour and shot a 120 and did it in right an hour and a half. Like you were really close to it. Yeah, I didn't hit that goal, but my eyes are open and I'm like, okay, I see the path to achieving that goal and then continuing to drop that number. Um, I can lower that score down without necessarily shooting better golf. You know what I mean? Like I can run better. I can get healthier. I can become a better runner and improve that way versus I like, I don't think golf works quite that directly. Like the improvement takes so much time in such small increments that like manifest themselves in totally different ways over the course of like years. So, and, and same with a hundred hole hike, I think putting the boundary on it and making it that physical challenge can kind of jumpstart you, your golf brain into like rewiring itself a little bit, which is, which is healthy. Yeah. And obviously I'm not training to go play a hundred holes of golf in a day as my outcome. It's more that mm-hmm. you need to stretch and work out in order to be able to do that. So if that's your motivation yep. to get you to do that, so you can just go play 18 holes of golf. Yeah. That's what you have to do. Driving back from the course after the speed golf round, I got really excited thinking about trying it again. Finding that tactical balance between running fast and playing controlled golf was fascinating. I loved it. But if I was going to practice fast golf, I needed to practice getting faster, not just the golf. And suddenly a feeling I'd never had popped up inside me. I want to go running. I want to get better. It's too early to tell if endurance golf has repaired my relationship with running. But I can say that for the first time in my life, I want to try and fix it. And maybe I can finally join my family and my friends who've been waiting for me to catch up. Alex Ward is a regular contributor to the podcast. Thanks to Stone Creek Golf Club in Oregon City for hosting the Speed Golf. And thanks to Youth On Course for being so generous with the 100-hole hike. If you'd like to find a 100-hole hike near you, you can visit the Youth On Course link in the episode description. You can follow Matt Lynch on his YouTube channel, at Golf Crack. You can find a video of Alex doing the Speed Golf Run, along with Matt's other golf adventures. Rob Hogan is on Instagram and TikTok at SpeedGolfRob. You can't miss him. This story was written and produced by Alex with editing by me, Peter Frickwright. Music and sound design by Robbie Carver. The Outside Podcast is made possible by our Outside Plus members. Learn more about all the benefits of membership at OutsideOnline.com slash PodPlus. 